0: This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. Now is the time to create your dream business, and Jim Palmer is the perfect business coach to help you get that done. Jim offers three different coaching programs, and as a member of his mastermind group, you'll also benefit from the advice, wisdom, and inspiration of other successful entrepreneurs. This is a group of action takers, so if you're tired of slow to no growth and are ready to finally grow your dream business, go to www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com.
1: This is John Paffer from Bar Rescue, and you're listening to Stick Like Glue Radio.
0: Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Blue Radio, Jim Palmer.
2: Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are always great things. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm so excited about this week's show. My special guest is Air Force veteran and the founder of school spirit vending, Matt Miller. Let me tell you briefly about Matt. We'll bring him right on. Matt Miller spent the first nine years of his career as an Air Force pilot before entering the private sector to work in both the medical device and advertising industries. While a top performer in the corporate world, his long-term desire was to be his own boss. A good friend one day mentioned the gumball machine's And he was, and he and his young daughters owned several of them, I guess, and that conversation began a 10 year business quest that has brought Matt's company, School Spirit Vending, to the cutting edge of both the vending and the school fundraising industries. Today, School Spirit Vending's franchising program provides a proven and profitable business system for business, for busy, excuse me, busy professionals and their families looking to develop secondary income streams while raising millions of dollars for education at the same time. And um, I think this is actually going to be very good for anybody who's had their door knocked on for for cookies and for gum and for wrapping paper and frozen <laughs> pizza. So, Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome, Jim. Thanks for having me on.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your service to our country. And you and I were chatting right before we went live. You flew those big C-5 galaxies, which are like monster planes, which carry tons of planes and have all of the stuff inside, right? That's a giant plane.
1: Yes, sir. I flew uh, the C-5 for for my last three years in the military and uh, got a chance to travel all over the globe doing it, transporting just about anything you could think of in the process.
2: So, you know, I always found that... um Anybody that's in the service really has what it takes. It's kind of a huge leg up when they jump into the entrepreneurial world because, I mean, first and foremost, you've got amazing discipline. You understand the value of hard work and, and, you know, taking a risk, which are all elements of growing a business. So did you have the entrepreneurial itch kind of for a long time, started as a kid, or are you one of these guys selling baseball cards, or did, it, did you only look for something to do when you were kind of getting out of the service? You know,
1: actually, actually Jim, I mowed lawns. I shoveled snow growing up in the Chicago area. I delivered newspapers for a while. Um, I did sell football and, and baseball cards for a time, um, early out of college back when that was actually profitable to do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I've had an entrepreneur mindset for most of my life. I never had anybody who. Wasn't business in my life though, so it took me a number of years. Um, in fact, I didn't start school spirit vending until eight years ago. I'm I'm 48 now, so um, it took me a while to figure it all out. But you know, there's no time like the present present to get started, and and uh, we've been enjoying the ride.
2: That's cool. Yeah, I was I was either forty one or forty two when I first got into business for myself. So it's it's never too late. Um, so you transitioned uh, from transit from kind of what they would call traditional vending to helping schools fundraise. Tell me about that journey.
1: Yeah, so I like you mentioned in my intro, had a good friend that mentioned gumballs, and he and his young daughter starting a business and. I was frustrated with my corporate career. I had had some things happen to me that were out of my control um, that really set us back financially, and I was looking to do something else to to dig us out of a hole, and so that conversation about the gumball machines struck in my mind because it was something I could do passively on the side, nights, weekends, vacation time, et cetera. and so... I got online, I bought several ebooks over the span of a month, read up on vending, and bulk vending was really what got me excited because the machines are purely mechanical, so I didn't have to worry about circuit boards and all that type of thing. Uh, the equipment is very inexpensive, and the capacity for that equipment is very high, so there's not a lot of time required servicing, or there can be a, a pretty long time period between service cycles. So got started, bought my first used candy and gumball machine on eBay from a guy across Houston uh, for 32 bucks. And one Saturday here about 10 years ago, loaded up uh, my son Zane, who was nine at the time, and my daughter Sarah, who was seven, in my 98 Honda Accord, and we drove across Houston to pick up that machine. Um, I brought it home. I went to Sam's Club to get some candy and gum to fill it. And then the next uh, day when I had some time, I started knocking on doors and started figuring out how to sell a vending machine in a, in a local area business. Fast forward a year and a half later, uh, I've got about 150 locations in the Houston area at that point, had branched off into stickers and temporary tattoos and toys as well, and was growing very quickly. And then 07 and 08 hit and, uh, once again, got frustrated because less people were going out to eat because of the economy. And when they were, there was less quarters still being put in my machine. So I was looking for a way to increase my revenues for the time that I was putting into this thing. And that's when those kids came knocking on my door trying to sell me stuff uh, for a local school. I didn't know who they were. Their parents weren't with them. And I was like, you know, this doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't want my kids out going door to door around the neighborhood selling. And so that's where the whole idea of tying vending with uh, with schools came about. We custom-designed stickers for the schools with their mascot and their colors and all that, and then we customized our equipment specifically for that school. And, uh, you know, our program today ends up being a passive fundraiser for the school, and um, they love it because it doesn't require any volunteers And, of course, our program becomes a passive income stream for many families across the country that we're working with.
2: You know, um, so, Matt, I have uh, four kids. They're all grown and gone, but, you know, so I, I know what I speak of with the frozen pizza in a box and the wrapping paper and all that stuff. I always felt bad sending my kids out, but they always they they always had this minimum quota to meet, I think. And I said, well, go hit the neighbors because I'm sure they'll hit us, you know, this this back and forth. So your machines, um, are, they're basically in the schools all year long, right? So it's just kids buy stuff kind of every day. It's not just this two- or three-week period of fundraising. Is that right?
1: Correct. It's an ongoing year-round fundraiser for the school. So it just sits there and does its thing. Well, they're doing whatever else that they do. We don't replace the other fundraisers that they're doing, but there's always a need for additional funds. And quite honestly, Jim, School Spirit Vending is just the first of an uh, of entire stable of companies we're in the process of developing to where we can bring hassle-free fundraising on a multitude of levels to each and every school that we work with. And hopefully one day get them out of the traditional fundraising business and get some kids
2: off the street. So um, when you started this, did you just have I mean, you had the one gumball machine, then you'd like so I guess you had hundreds. When you started school spirit vending, was the idea that um, like it's temporary tattoos and other things, I mean, is it all kind of positive based school spirit stuff, or do you have like rules as to what can be in the machines?
1: Well, first off, I initially I started the business with like temporary tattoos in mind for, for high school and junior high sporting events. And what we found out real quickly was that, um, the older kids don't interact with the machine. So we pivoted and we found out that the younger kids were, were where the interest really lies. So, um, we went out and initially started working and purchasing, acquiring stickers aside from the custom stickers for the school from companies across the country who work in the vending industry. But what we found out is most of those series always had a sticker designer, two that was too edgy for a kindergartner in a public school. So we ended up going out, finding a, a company we could partner with to specifically print and design our own stickers for the school's to where today, 90% of what we provide is literally the, the artwork is created by a group of artists that we work with on a regular basis, specifically for our audience, so that we ensure that you know we're protecting the kids that are our customers with the images and what we sell them.
2: You know one of the first things i you know when I'm teaching my students, one of the first things you need to know is exactly who is your target customer, so it sounds like you've already honed that down where it's not all schools like i say i don't yeah, I could agree. I don't see uh high schoolers and probably even middle school kids going in there and and buying those stickers, but it's probably really big in in the elementary schools is that is that what you're finding through trial and error? Yes, sir, very cool. so how does your program work Matt? I mean to help you know, help people develop. You mentioned it's a secondary revenue stream. It helps the schools. I mean, I, I can imagine there's a, a decent profit margin in stickers, but, how, you know, so there's you, then there's the school, then there's, you know, your franchisee. How, do, how does that all work?
1: Well, the school uh, gets a cut, obviously, and that's how our program ends up being a fundraiser, Um What I learned, though, early on as I was starting the business is I had essentially two options, Jim. I could either own it all and then have to have a bunch of employees and in the process a bunch of headaches uh, along the way, or I could go out and duplicate myself with other business owners. I could give them the ability to make the majority of the profit and teach them what I knew in exchange for, for them having the ability to make the most of the money, um, they also took, assumed the risk, uh, the acquisition of the machines and that type of thing. Uh, so they were happy and excited about being taught a business. Most of them have never been business owners before. Most of them are busy professionals, so they needed something that that they didn't have to step off into and turn their back on their career, but they could just add or supplement what they were doing. So it provided an environment for them to succeed, and then, of course, in exchange, uh, we get a licensing fee and today a franchise (laughs) fee or royalty uh, in exchange for the expertise and the system that we've developed over the last eight years. It ends up being a win-win-win situation, and um, so it makes it really exciting to get up every day because people are happy on the school side and on the, the, the franchisee side, about our program because it works, and everyone who's working our system is making money.
2: Who is a good prospective franchisee for you, Nick? Is it a um, stay-at-home um, mom? Is it somebody just working part-time, or somebody just can they just do this on the weekend and you know be, have a full-time corporate career, so to speak? Or who are you looking for?
1: Well, they've got to have at least a couple of days a month during the school uh, day, so during the school week, to, to put this thing together. Now, we do have some folks on the team who hire and have a lot of that work done outside, but initially most folks on our team are people that are already extremely busy, you know, but they can find some time and they have a little bit of extra money to put things together. Um, With the whole franchise model, what we're finding is we're finding a completely new level of participant. In many cases, somebody who already owns a a number of different businesses already is looking to diversify, sees this from a much bigger picture standpoint than I did, to be honest, at the very beginning, or many of our uh, team that's been around for a while did. And they go into this planning, you know, to put together a a, a sizable business and, and employees to run that business from the very beginning. But we've got folks that literally, you know, had a couple grand to start with and got started and cash flowed their business's growth just like I did at the, at the beginning to where now, like I said, we've got folks that money is not an object. They're looking for diversification and see it from a completely different angle than I did early on.
2: Is it a – is. I can't imagine it's terribly hard, but is it a hard sell or an easy sell to the schools, or do you have to jump through a lot of hoops? Is it different in every state and school district?
0: Every
1: school district, and quite honestly, every school is different, but we're literally walking in and offering them free money. So the selling process, believe it or not, is the easiest selling I've ever done. It's just there are some people that just don't get it, and when they don't, we move on. Um, Their their peers will convince them later on when everyone around them is working with us except for them. Uh, But in the meantime, it doesn't do me or our team any good to try to convince somebody against, you know, their will, you know, about our program and if it makes sense in a school or not.
2: Right. Do you have any of your franchisees doing this full time, or or is it mostly uh, like an extracurricular, you know, extra revenue stream?
1: I'd say today about a third of them do this full time. Um, Oh, wow. Most every every one of them started off as a secondary thing and, you know, over a number of years, you know, have put things together to where they've got the ability to to do this exclusively if they want to. Um, It does take work. It does take effort. This is not get rich quick. It's not something for nothing. But, like I said, for folks that are willing to stay the course over several years and put forth some consistent and steady effort, which is necessary in any business, um, you know, the the returns can be pretty significant.
2: You know, when I was uh, doing a little research to uh, before I talked to you, you have something called your unbusiness philosophy. What what is that, Matt?
1: You know, I spent nine years or actually 13 years in the military. If you consider my, my time at the Air Force Academy. And then I spent uh, 11 years in the corporate world and I looked at everything that I encountered during those tw- uh, 24 years of my life and I got rid of all the stuff that I hated and kept the stuff that I liked. And one of the things that bothered me the most was the fact that it was my career and my family really wasn't involved. In much of the process. And that frustrated me. So when I was able to start my own thing, I decided, you know what, we're going to throw out a lot of this other stuff. Number one, family is going to be the foundation of all we do. And so we encourage family involvement at all levels of our business. Um, We actually now have multiple generations that are participating in our business. Kids that got started When mom and dad got started and and helped them along the way, they're now becoming adults and becoming franchisees as part of our team. Um, So that's one of the biggest things. The other thing is this. I got sick and tired of being monitored versus a quota or versus some performance standards in the companies that I worked with. I understand they're necessary, especially for a public company, uh, to move the needle for, for the Uh, the stockholders and all that, but it used to drive me nuts because memories were very short and I was only as good as the last sale that I made. And so when I got this started, I made a commitment from the very beginning that I was going to go out and I was going to build my own route, working with my own schools as the foundation of it all. Uh, That foundation, my family still could live on today if we needed to. And in the process, it allowed me to take all the pressure off of our, our team and our franchisees. There's no quotas. There is a minimum performance standard every year that we, we feel is reasonable for, for them to, to stay, you know, a, an active part of our team. But the reality is we don't have those conversations that I dreaded when I was in sales. Um, I want this to be a blessing for everybody involved in our business. And because of that, The growth needs to occur based on what their goals are, what their dreams are, what their aspirations are, and how this fits into that picture, not what Matt wants them to do or see. So it takes all the pressure off of everybody, um, which is very, very rare out there in the business world today, as you know. Um, But because I built the foundation early on, um, there's no reason for me to pressure other folks to do what they're not ready or willing to do.
2: Right. Plus, a big thing of UnBusiness, as I I saw your picture, is you get to wear shorts to work most of the time, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. In fact, we have an annual conclave every year. um, And at our trade shows and all that stuff, cargo shorts and T-shirts or polos are the uniform of choice. My team gives me a hard time because when I get up to speak at the beginning of our event every year, it takes about five minutes uh, before the flip-flops get kicked off and I'm walking around barefoot the whole time. We're, we're not here to impress other people. We're here to have fun, do business, and, and, and share life together. So a lot of the stuff that you know, we've all been taught in business is, is a necessity for success,
2: you know we've thrown
1: out. When, when go, we go to a trade show, everybody else is all you know dressed up and all that. They can't buy our table. We're all hanging loose. We're having fun. There's an error about what we do that is different because what we do is different for the school. And so, you know, it, we're much more laid back, but there's also a purpose behind all that just to show that you, you don't have to be that stuffy um, salesperson or, or whatever in order to be successful. And that's not what this, our schools are going to get when they're working with us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got time for uh, one more question with you, Matt. I, it's my understanding you're doing some pretty unique things with podcasting. Um, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, Jim. I, you know, I took Cliff Ravenscraft's podcasting from A to Z course here several months ago, and I started. Um, I took it with the idea that first and foremost, I needed to start an internal podcast for our team. With our team being spread across 23 states uh, from a variety of different backgrounds, et cetera, I needed a way that I could develop community within that team, and I found that blogging and, and, you know, conference calls and some of those types of things just weren't cutting it. So I learned how to podcast so that I could start, start interviewing members of the team, allow them to share best practices, highlight their success stories, and then, of course, do some teaching and training along the way as well. The acceptance has been huge of the team. And now, because of the evergreen nature of the podcasts and because of the fact that people can get them on their smartphone, you know, while they're mowing the lawn or working out or, or doing stuff around the house or, or driving to and from work or whatever, it's become a much, much more effective communication tool and we have gotten nothing but rave reviews from the team who's taken advantage of that.
2: That's awesome. Good stuff, man. Matt, it's been a real pleasure having you on. How can people learn more about your uh, your school spirit vending program?
1: Jim, they can go to ssvbusiness.com, and if you don't mind, I'd love to, to give your audience just a free publication for those that are interested. It's called Live Your Dreams. Uh, the top 10 reasons why you need to start a vending business and, um, your audience can go to ssvbusiness.com forward slash glue and get, uh, a free copy of that publication and, and hopefully it, it will inspire some creativity for them and, uh, and help them utilize vending to, to improve their lives and generate some freedom along the way as well.
2: Thank you very much. That's nice of you, Matt. Matt, it's been a real pleasure, and uh, thank you very much for coming on my program. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Jim, and God bless.
2: God bless you. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with Air Force veteran and the founder of School Spirit Vending, Matt Miller. Stick Like Glue is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. I'm committed, as always, to helping you grow a more profitable business faster. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody.
0: You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business-building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.